0: Welcome to Strategic Insights Radio, brought to you by Sterling Rose Consulting Corp. If your dream is to start a business or not-for-profit or to grow your existing enterprise, Sterling Rose Consulting Corp is ready to help you make it happen. Our business, marketing, and technology consulting services get you started with financial projections and business planning, developing and implementing marketing plans, growing your market through branding, website development, and social media management, increasing productivity with process improvement and automation, and selecting and using the right technology with our business technology strategy consulting and implementation services. I'm Dave Wilkins, Chief Operating Officer of Sterling Rose Consulting Corp., and today we are going to conclude our three-part series on the keys to the right technology. You know, If you've been with us for the last uh, two sessions, which have been uh, over the last month, that we have covered uh, seven of the 11 keys that we've talked about. And the seven that we've talked about uh, starts with the, the right system strategy for your business strategy, the right level of senior executive involvement, the right ROI to establish value of the solution, the right measurable criteria to evaluate solution effectiveness, and the right communications between business and technology staffs. And we keep on going here, the right requirements defined by the right users to select the right solutions for the right processes. There's a lot of rights in that one, and and it's very key obviously. And the right hardware and software and network to support the solution. Now if you've missed any of those, you can certainly go back and listen to the previous broadcasts which are out on our, our website, Strategic Insights Radio at the Business Radio X. So let's jump in and start with number eight, and that is the right implementation approach to design, install, configure, and test the right solution that meets the right requirements to deliver measurable business values. And what's all that mean? Well, first of all, you know, you, you, you can't just wing it when it comes to the to implementing a software whether it's a package or if you're developing something custom such as a uh, e-commerce type website for example you just can't wing it you've got to have an approach a structured approach you know just like building a house you just can't start throwing uh, pieces of timber together and hope the whole thing is going to hang look good and uh more importantly not fall apart at some point in, in time during the building or after you've moved in so that's where you got to have the right you have to have an method a methodology got to get the right adjective there i guess it is um you know you've got to have a good in, in and i say the right uh methodology to help you with that now what is a methodology? A methodology is a soft a software development methodologies are frameworks that are used to structure, plan and control the process of developing or developing new software either from scratch or implementing a package. Now, the keys and here's the thing there is no there is no one right methodology there's a lot of different methodologies that have been developed over the years Methodologies, system development methodologies have been in place almost from day one when it comes to computer systems so that's going to take us back many many years you know fifty years or so um, but there are there there are a number of those and they fall into a, a different categories and they were all developed uh, to meet specific sets of criteria or specific scenarios that organizations uh, have to deal with, uh, and and what what they feel comfortable with. So, let's talk about what what some of those are. And we're not going to get into a lot of detail, but uh, you know, just to give you a sense of that that there are a number of them and that you know picking you you know you can't just pick one and hope it's the right one you know you've got to do a little bit of evaluation and sort out which of these methodologies would be the right one for your particular situation so we'll start off with the agile software development and under that there's actually a number of them including crystal methods dynamic system development model or dsdm Uh, And Scrum uh, are are three of the the most popular um, and most uh, relevant ones. We have another one called, uh, outside of Agile, we have another one called Extreme Programming. And that's uh, focused on doing something really fast and hopefully it all works. So there's there's pros and cons to each one of these. Feature-driven development, joint application development, Lean Development, Rapid Application Development, or RAD, some, a lot of people may be familiar with that term, uh, and Rational Unified Process, or RUP, When that one, again, has been around for a number of years, Spiral, and the all-time favorite, which goes back way, way, is, way back, is the Waterfall Approach. Now, and that's really also known as the traditional approach to system development methodology. Now, the one thing that all the methodologies have in common are the following phases. And the, the, what makes the methodologies different is how these, these phases are performed. You know, those are the, that's, that's really the differentiator from one methodology to the next. And it starts with, and again, these are some of the things we've already talked about, for example, starts with requirement gathering and analysis, design, implementation or coding, testing, deployment, and maintenance. Those are the six phases of a system development methodology. And again, all of the methodology we talked about above have those in one way, shape, or form. It's just a matter of how they are implemented and executed. Uh, That's really what what's the differentiator and the end result again can differ from one particular scenario or one particular type of package to another for example if you're doing a very large ERP system for example uh, you probably might be looking more at a at a waterfall or a RUP approach Um, if you're dealing with more of a Custom application development, uh, you know the agile approach might be more effective. Um, but again, it all depends. So there's again, no one right method. it all depends and that's a classic consulting answer to many questions It depends. Uh, so you you know it all depends on where you are and what you're doing and what your objectives are. So, Now that we've figured out, okay, we've got a methodology we're going to use and we're working through that, the next key is having the right vendors and partners to work with to implement the right solution and keep it working the right way. One of the biggest problems I've seen over the many, many years I have been in systems uh, consulting and technology consulting in general is and managing many, many large projects uh, is the whole area of how does a client manage their technology vendors? Uh, you know the, the reality is that the vendor and the vendor's client have two entirely different agendas, and the fact is you know these agendas don't always uh, rarely actually do they really really coexist and align and what do what am i what do I mean by that well the reality is is as a business you're looking to get the best solution you know the right solution as it were that will provide you the best return on investment and get you the right, right um, information on a timely basis and meeting all the requirements, you know, all those things that we've talked about uh, up to this point. The vendor's primary objective is to make money, to be profitable. And the reality in many cases is how they go about doing that it may may not actually be the in the best interest of the client now having said that the really good vendors are vendors who understand this and they focus their approach on ensuring that they're they're really addressing the client's needs you know the customer is always right or putting the customer first you know that that whole philosophy which i think you know is very prevalent in, in, you know, particularly hospitality, retail, and other related type, uh, heavily customer-oriented businesses, you know, that philosophy never seemed to have taken hold with uh, with technology vendors. Um, now, as I say, that's, I'm not saying that's exclusive, but there are some, because there are some that have done a good job of that, and those are the ones that tend to be far more successful, and those are the ones you want to find, because they really do understand what it takes in order to to help a client really implement the right solution at the right time, used by the right people in the right way. Now, I've worked with clients over the years to help, and, and vendors uh, on both sides, to help them address this, this issue. Uh, because a lot of times uh, a client will just rely on the vendor and hope, that they're, they're getting the right, uh, right level of service and the right value for what they're paying. Um, that doesn't always happen, unfortunately. So that's one of the things you've got to be careful of. And there are a number of uh, steps involved in this. Uh, first of all, it's, it goes back to, again, what are the, what are the organization's requirements? You know, what are you trying to accomplish here? And how do you want to make sure that the strategy and your policies conform to those requirements? Um, you know, and, and again, it all comes back down to the business case of for a particular solution or you know using a particular vendor and you know vendors in general. You know, make versus buy, for example, uh, where you do it internally versus uh, employing a uh, a vendor to help you make it happen. That all has to be de- defined. Now, evaluating and selecting vendors, again, can be a very challenging scenario because the reality is, in most cases, the vendor is the one who has the information. If you had all the information, you had all the skill sets, the reality is you wouldn't need a vendor, and you could do, you could do it yourself. But, and that's just like if you were going to build a house. If you had all the skills and the staff in place, you know, had a large family, they all knew how to build a house, you know, you could build it yourself. Um, but for most, most of us, that's not the case. And that's why we, we hire a, a contractor to, to build the house for us. And that's the same thing when you come to the software systems is you, you, generally, if you don't have the skill sets, you don't have the staff, um, you, you know you just don't know exactly all the things that need to be done that's why you hire one so it's going through and going through those requirements that we talked about just a minute ago and we've talked about in many cases in the past and mapping what those requirements are to what the service value or the service capabilities are of the particular vendors and finding out what the what the vendor can actually do how skilled they are how 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 um, how many times they've done this particular type of work what their success ratio is uh, the referrals are, you know obviously just like any other any other vendor in any other aspect of your business you know you 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 want to make sure you've got a good uh good good vendor here and if you can get some good referrals in terms of what they've done uh you know so much the better um one of the key, keys is, is understanding what what, they, what the vendor is, uh, if they have a standard service level agreement or or not. If they do, that's good because then it gives you a measure to evaluate them against. And if not, then it becomes a question of before you go too far down the path, you want to establish the service level agreement that is going to meet your requirements and then use that as part of the selection criteria as you're going through doing the evaluations, meeting with these vendors, asking them the hard questions uh, as far as what they can do, how they can do it, and what their uh, acceptance is or reluctance, if you will, to uh, to the terms of your service level agreement. Uh, you find out an awful lot once, once the vendor starts looking at something that's going to be pretty much a hard contract term and how well they're willing to accept that. and. As you're going through that, in terms of the service level agreements, you want to make sure that you're also defining, uh, you know, at least in broad sense, that there are some penalties associated with failure to meet that service level agreement. Again, that uh, the ability to for the vendor to, to respond to those, you know, that, that gives a, goes a long way in terms of uh, you feeling how comfortable and how confident the uh, the vendor is in in delivering on it. Because if they say the yeah, we can do it. And and feel comfortable that that they're not going to end up in a situation where they're dealing with the having to pay those penalties. Uh, you know, so much the better. Now, another step in here is to categorize the vendors and contracts, and and figuring out again what what the level, where what level, and when I say level, is this, is this a vendor going to provide more strategic uh, tactical or executional type skills and that's where you start getting into understanding how that vendor is going to work with your organization whether you're dealing with them dealing with the vendor at a senior management level a middle management level or at the operational level and you always are going to have The situations where you again, these are not different than many of your other suppliers. But the reality is, again, most most uh, systems require some sort of supplies. Um, Maybe it's as simple as printer cartridges, you know, things like that. You know, you need to make sure you've got all of the um, all of the ancillary support uh, criteria defined and have identified all the necessary suppliers and vendors to, to, to provide those those components, if you will. Um, then you get into the whole aspect of, nego- once you've got it down to a point where you've pretty well identified who you are deal- want to deal with, then you get into the whole area of uh, the contracts, getting that contract negotiated, getting it signed, making sure as part of that that you've defined what the change management processes are and as any changes would uh, would come about as far as updates to the contracts and all that, how they would be dressed. It's also key to, once you get started with a vendor, is to manage their performance. And what that essentially boils down to is you just don't assume that just because you've signed the contract, you've hired the the vendor and they're on there doing their work, that they're doing the right things at the right time in the right way. Uh, you've, got to be, you've always got to be involved in making sure that, that what's being done is being done uh, to your specifications, that they're meeting the, meeting the terms of the agreements, the service level agreements are being met and so forth. Don't assume that they're just doing it and they're going to do it right. You know, you've got to stay involved. Uh, abdication of your responsibilities in this area, which I've seen a lot of times, uh, can become very expensive. Then you're always into the question of, how good is this vendor overall over a period of time? Uh, and then as, because can, you know, you don't want to have an open-ended arrangement with a, a vendor. You want to make sure that a, there is a fixed end date to any contract uh, based upon then the end date might be a, a specific date and time. Or it might be driven by the completion of specific deliverables, uh, which again may be a, a particular product or so forth. But those deliverables again typically have to be def- have to be delivered within a, a time frame. So, you know, ultimately there is you know it always does come back to a date. Now, as you go through that, you've got to you you should be as again part of that management process evaluating how well they're doing, as to whether or not does do they. Meet the criteria and provide the value that makes them worthy of having a renewal. If if in fact that's the situation that you you'd see them in as a, as more of a longer term uh, contract uh, vendor. For example, if they're doing ongoing um, uh, support and maintenance of your network systems, um, which is a lot of where a lot of the IT uh, support companies provide those services. So. Yeah, uh, you know, Again, if they're doing the job and doing a great job and they're meeting your criteria and they're providing real measurable value, then those are the ones you want to keep. And if they're not, those are the ones you want to get rid of and find somebody who can. Okay. So now we've got that vendor in place and they're following along with the team, working on the using the methodology to get everything done. Now we get to the point where we're ready to start training and training is key and it's also one of the things that is most overlooked in any project in assuming that everything's gonna go well but training the users in the right way to use the system at the right time with the right processes is one of the most critical steps in the 11 keys Um, and I have again my experience has seen how training has been overlooked are not properly implemented, or executed, and not properly understood uh, from the user's perspective as to what it is, how they need to do it, and why it's important to them. Uh, in many cases, you know, the training gets blown off because they say, oh, "I've got something more important I got to do." Uh, and the reality is, when day one comes to that system, uh, there can be lots of problems when that happens. So, training is very, very important. It is well worth the time and effort. Now, some of the keys there are, in particularly the whole the whole thing. The whole thing really boils down to making sure that the users, and the users could be both internal users. They could be they could be suppliers or customers if, if those are inv- actively involved in using the systems and so forth. But everybody needs to understand why the why the new system is being implemented. You know, what's the change, why the change is good, and, and, and rec- recognize that there is going to be some resistance to change, and that needs to be uh, part of the training in order to help people understand and help them become more comfortable with it. Uh, need to provide a broad overview of the navigation process flows, uh, how the system overall works so that they get at least a, a general sense of it, and show them just what they need to do most often. You know, the key here is you don't want to overwhelm anybody with all the information that's possible, all the different scenarios. The reality is that, you know, the old 80-20 rule applies here. You know, 80% of the activity is probably supported by 20% of the system. That 20% of the system is what you really want to focus in on and train them to make sure that they can do that. Now, there's always going to be those oddball, once-in-a-lifetime scenarios that come up Yeah, it's nice to know what those are uh, and and where to go to deal with those, but don't focus a lot of time and effort on it. That's where you'd want to make sure you're just providing some reference material. And it's very important to provide a training environment, you know, so that people can practice on the system and not trying to use the live production system to do their training. Uh, That can be very, very painful. And it can produce all sorts of uh, unexpected results, which can be expensive for a lot of different people. And do not, I repeat, do not neglect ongoing support. Because the reality is, no system. Once it's implemented that first time, is a static system. Every system really is is a living organism, as it were, in the sense that it's going through change. as As your organization changes, grows, uh, you add new, you know, new new uh, lines of business or open new market channels and so forth. You know, there are changes, and those changes get implemented in the system, and the system evolves to meet the business needs. If it's being done right and if it's being managed right, I have to preface, or caveat that. Uh, if it's not, then, you, then there's other big issues. But if the users aren't kept in the loop, aren't properly trained for each of these changes, that's where you start seeing a, a ser- serious degradation in the quality of the output over a period of time if people don't know that a change is being implemented and they come into work monday morning and things aren't the way they were on the, when they left friday you need know, you just never you know, there there's going to be a lot of confusion a lot of mistakes and there's going to be some unhappy people so you can avoid that it's very simple to avoid is just making sure that everybody knows what's going to be happening when it's going to be happening and how it impacts them, and what changes they need. What changes are are, are being made to their processes, and how they need to uh, to support that. And our last step, last key, number eleven, is the right measurements based on the right criteria to manage ongoing system and solution performance. Now there's a lot of different ones that you could you could apply here, but I'm just going to mention a few. And it's these are these are kind of the the key metrics if you will to uh to ensure that your ongoing ongoing operation of the system is, is is being maintained effectively. These metrics include productivity. How well is the uh, how well are the users or however you're measuring, you know, the 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 Output from the system you know how well is that uh, is that being maintained at the, at the at the levels that you were expecting it to in terms of the output um, units versus how much it costs to input your gross profit margin ultimately at the end of the day is you know these systems are supposed to be helping you either increase cost improve or reduce I suppose, increase revenues, reduce costs, improve customer satisfaction, and employee productivity. And ultimately, all of those should reflect themselves in terms of your gross profit. And if the if their profit margin is, is, is not going in the right direction afterwards, then you got to start wondering, okay, is there something wrong with these systems? Uh, your return on investment. You know, again, that ties kind of back into the gross profit. You know, are you getting out of the system the business value as we've talked about before? Are you getting the business value out of the system for how much you've, you've, uh, you've spent on it? And that's the, the spending is, is both the dollars as well as the time and effort. So the opportunity cost and so forth, if you will, which it kind of fits into what I, I uh, another metric that we refer to as the earned value, and that's essentially how much work that is being uh, produced uh, for the the costs that have been put into the system at that point customer satisfaction scores employee satisfaction scores you know if the customers and the employees are very happy with the systems and getting and the, the productivity is there then great you know then it's headed in the right direction if it's not Okay, now we got to figure out what's wrong. What what didn't go right? What didn't get implemented correctly, or or trained, or you know, just exactly going back and sorting out what the root causes are. And that goes back in many cases back to the the uh, the traditional. Or I shouldn't say traditional, but the the best approach is the five whys method, which again we covered in a a uh, another top another session uh, a number of months ago. And then you get into Looking at costs, your actual cost, how how well are you doing uh, in terms of overall cost relative to what you expected. Your cost variances, uh, which again get into more detailed areas in terms of how you're doing relative to the budget or how what your again expectations are. Schedule variances in terms of how you're completing work on a timely basis. And within that, those, those schedule variances, you could also be looking at, and, and really under that, you could also be looking at the aspects of upgrades and training and all aspects of the system uh, in terms of how well you're, you're keeping on the timeline and how well the, the, the systems are being updated and maintained going forward. And then you have your cost performance index. Now, this, there's a lot of different ways to look at it, but one of the keys that I always look at is, is you're spending a lot of money on this system, and you're spending a lot of money to maintain the system, and the expectation is you're getting the desired business value out of it. Now, part of that also is what's your level of defects? Uh, or, or and or or trouble tickets, if you will, that are being generated. How quickly those are being resolved, because that goes back to both your customer satisfaction scores, your employee satisfaction scores, your gross profit margin. Uh, if people are hung up, they can't get their work done or can't uh, make or put the order in or get the order completed. You know that's that's affecting a lot of different aspects of the business. So you want to make sure that you have. Um, you're, you're tracking all of those those areas and that I know we've talked about again 11 keys here now you may think how am I supposed to do all that and the reality is I'm not sure I've ever seen an organization frankly that has done all 11 of them and done all 11 of 11 of them the right way but if you use this as your model, and you start with those you know, one or two of these areas and of the eleven areas, and you focus on those, get those implemented, get those working right, then you continue can, can grow on those and add add in more. Um, you know, the expectation is uh, this this is what I laid out as the ideal world, and it takes you it's going to take a long long time to get there. But if you don't start you'll never get on you'll never improve and the further you get along the results are going to get just that much better is going to you're going to save yourself a lot of time save yourself a lot of money and you're going to be much happier with the results in terms of how it's again improving revenues reducing costs and improving productivity and customer satisfaction so that's it in a nutshell You know, I make it it sound real simple. There's an awful lot to it. It's not easy to do, um, but the effort is well worth it, particularly if you want to get the maximum value out of your technology. So with that, again, this is Dave Wilkins, Sterling Rose Consulting Corp. And this has been Strategic Insights Radio on Business Radio X. To find out more about Sterling Rose Consulting Corp., you can contact us at sterlingroseconsultingcorp.com or 678-996-1312.